I think then that, uh, well, yeah, let's uh, get rolling. So five, four, four three, two, two, and one. What? Hello, world, here's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. Good evening, Habs fans, and what a game uh, three, as uh, <laughs> as we can all imagine. Uh, a great blowout for the Habs in game two. Game three, hey, hoping for the same, but man, do the Flyers know how to play some hockey when they want to, and do the Habs might forget what's going on half the time. Regardless, my name is David Oje, and I'm at MetalDave01 on Twitter.com, and I'm joined, as always, by Beth. Hello, hello. I'm at H-I-V-E-R-H-U-I-T on Twitter. And Veronica. I didn't quite see the same way, Dave. I'm at C-H-I-L-E underscore Pepper on Twitter. That's great, Veronica, because we're going to talk about that. And we are the Happy Hour <laughs> at HappyHour on Twitter.com. Now, we actually have a guest with us uh, yes. tonight. Uh, yes. He brings more than 20 years of experience uh, as work, uh, who has worked as a play-by-play announcer for TSN's uh, hockey coverage, including the IIHF World Junior Championships. I am so pleased and honored to introduce Gord Miller. Gord, Yay! how are you doing tonight? Woo! Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. So, uh, Mr. Miller, uh, Game Three just concluded, and man, it's yeah. it was it was a little bit like Game One before, very tight defensively. Yeah. Really, uh, I mean, the the decider was a uh, was a deflection out front that just happened to beat Price. Yeah, and I think you know if you look at it from a Montreal perspective, you knew you were going to get Philadelphia's best game tonight, right? They got embarrassed in Game Two. They're one of the best teams in the league, probably the best team in the Eastern Conference. So you knew you'd get their best game tonight. I think if you're a Montreal fan at this point, you're down two games to one. You won the most decisive game of the series. The two losses were very close. Tonight, I mean, what, three or four goal posts, uh, shorthanded mm. two on one, missed a good chance late. So, so really, at 2-1, you're in okay shape. I don't, I don't think there's a lot the Canadians would say that they have to do differently. Um, you know, they just have to put the puck in the net better and, and you know, put it – a half inch down or a half inch to the left or right, and, and those are in the net. So um, I really feel like, you know, they're, they're playing well. They're doing exactly what they have to do against a team that's better. The Flyers are a better team. And, um, and so I think you're encouraged going into game four on, uh, on Tuesday. Absolutely. And something also to the Flyers credit is that I think they had a plethora of block shots as well. They're, they oh, were yeah. doing everything that they could to keep heart contained and, uh, you know, credit to their good work, uh, got the kid to shut out after he was chased out the game before. Well, he's a good, he's a good player. I mean, oh, look, yeah. I mean, Carter Hart's a good player, and, and that's a good hockey team. The Flyers, I think, are the best team in the East. Um, you know, Chuck Fletcher's done a good job of making additions. Kevin Hayes is a great addition, things like that. Ron Hextall put a foundation in place there that's really good. And I think that, um, you know, he deserves some of the credit there as well. But that's a real good team in Philadelphia to defend well. Their goaltender's a young star. I've seen him for a long time uh, at the World Junior and elsewhere. Um, and, and they're deep. Their defense is excellent. They're big. So I, I think Montreal's in, you know, to now game four, just keep, I, I think if you're Montreal, you keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 well, I mean, I'm biased, but I kind of thought they were the better team tonight. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, there was one goal. It was probably close. Yeah. Oh, so many posts. Yes. 
And I, I actually, I really thought Kotkaniemi was going to put it in there at the end. But um, speaking of Kotkaniemi, Gord. Gord. Yeah, what a game. <laughs> what a game. He had himself a night. Um, and Gord, you've been um, very vocal about Gisberi Kotkaniemi on the TSN 690 airwaves since, the, since he arrived in Montreal. Yeah. And what do you have to say about his evolution? Well, I think it's, it's, it's great. And I think that there's a funny thing that it turns into a, a sort of a binary proposition. So, so to walk it back, when he made the team as an 18-year-old out of training camp, I said it was a mistake. I, I didn't think he was ready to play in the NHL as an 18-year-old. I think I was right. He wasn't. He had a so-so year as an 18-year-old, but there's a, there's a bunch of problems with that. Number one, you don't want the third overall pick to have a so-so year. The issue is, for a young player, like people say, well, Joe Thornton had a tough 18-year-old year. This guy had a tough 18-year-old, you know, Alexander Barkov. But they've had success before. Barkov had scored 21 goals the year before in the Finnish League. Thornton had 120-some points in the Ontario League. Takanyemi didn't have that. He'd never scored more than nine goals with a team the previous two years. So I didn't feel like he was ready. And so that turned it into, Gord doesn't think Takanyemi's a good player. <laughs> the exact opposite. I think he's a terrific player, but you have to develop players properly. And I thought that was a mistake. Then the second year, I would say this year was a step backwards for him. In fact, Claude Julien said his game collapsed. And they sent him to Laval. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to Laval. And I said on Mitch's show that I thought he should go to Laval beforehand. He needed to go to the American League. And then when the playoffs came, I thought you know, the same thing I said to Mitch was, he's playing with house money. If he does great, super. It's, it's, it's fantastic. If he doesn't, it's a weird year. It's a lost year. You put it behind you. You come back to training camp and start over again. But the issue with Kuck and Yemi is going to be playing him as an 18-year-old has long-term effects, one of which is under the NHL CBA, at 160 regular season and playoff games, you need waivers to be sent to the American League. And right. Kuck and Yemi is now, I think, at 132. So he's got 28 games next year. Now, plus the fact that he plays as an 18-year-old, no matter how many games he plays next year, he needs waivers following that year. So the issue becomes for Kakanyemi by, by pushing him in so soon, you've now shortened the runway for him. If Kakanyemi plays 30 games next year and then starts to really struggle, you can't throw in the American League. Your only choice then is to, to keep him playing or healthy scratching. And healthy scratching 21-year-olds is not a good idea. So that, that's, that was my point on Kakanyemi. I, you know, I see these kids at the World Junior. I get to meet them. I want every young player to succeed. The path for the vast majority of young players to succeed is not playing as an 18 Right. But he'd earned himself a spot at training camp. What do you do? He didn't, though. He didn't, though. <gasps> it, it, it's, easy, it's, easy, it's easy to say, oh, he's better than what we've got. The problem with that is if an 18-year-old kid is better than what you got, chances are you're probably not very good. Right. It's, um, unless it's unless it's Sidney Crosby, unless it's you know, for the most part, and we see it all the time. And teams want to do this where they want their look how look how great we drafted. Look look at this young kid. He made our team as eighteen year old. It, it's fool's gold a lot of times. You know, right. Capo was Capo was the second overall pick in the draft. He's a terrific player. He's won the under eighteen, the World Junior Gold Medal, and the World Championship before the age of eighteen. He had a tough year in New York. It's the best league in the world. You know, Quinn Hughes went back. Quinn Hughes went back. 
Elias Pedersen went back. You know, these young Vancouver Canucks they're talking about bursting out of the scene, those kids all went back. There's nothing wrong with it when you go back. And, and that's, I think the Montreal Canadiens would have been far better served if Kakimiemi had gone back to Finland. Now, people say, well, his, his Finnish team was terrible. Fine. Yes. And call the Finnish, they call the Finnish Federation and say, we're sending Kakimiemi back, but you're arranging a trade. Or he's playing the American League this year. Right. Right. Well, which, um, happens, which, by the way, happens all the time. So, so this this narrative in Montreal that you know, oh well, you know, Gord must feel terrible because Kakimiemi's <laughs> playing so well. No, I I want him to play well. I want him to do well. I just think the Montreal Canadiens put him in a box. They didn't need to. Right, well, and you go ahead, Veronica. Sorry. Yeah, and I agree with you, Gord. As far as um, like Kakimiemi is the same age as my son, and so um, I, I'm. I would tend to be protective of him as well, but we we were really um, impressed by his play in his first season, considering especially considering his age, and just thought, okay, well he's need a, he needs to fill out. But don't forget that last season he also had the misfortune of like two injuries. Never mind, mm-hmm. you know, sort of a fr- frustrating compared to his rookie season. But um, right now, the way he's playing, he seems transformed. Yes or no? Well, I think. I, I think he, he does. I think a couple of things. One, he went back to the American League. So, so that nightmare of, of you know, yeah. dying a thousand deaths every night in Montreal, right, yeah. was over. So you, you get away from that whole thing, go to the American League and reset a little bit. Then the break happened. The injuries are interesting you bring that up because, you know, the, uh, the Zadorov hit on Kakanyemi. Yes. That's a 235-pound man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Getting a 19-year-old kid, okay? Yeah. So how many how many 19-year-olds are in the National Football League this year? I don't know. You're asking the None. wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. None the, of the us answer, watch the football. Is, the answer is the answer is none. The NFL, right. No NFL team in their right mind would put a teenager in that league. Well, the the NHL is the second most contact-filled league next to the NFL. So, so you got to be really careful putting kids in because, you know, teams have done studies on this. Teenage players get hurt at a far higher rate than, than older players because they're, A, they don't know the roots as well. They don't, you know, they don't know the game as well. So they get caught. And, and you're playing against men playing for a living. Those guys who are playing in the NHL are paying to, to feed their families, to keep their jobs. And you, you may say, well, how many guys rip other jobs? Almost all of them. Like, yeah. You want to go out there against Shea Weber? You want to go out there against Shea Weber? That's a man. Shea Weber is a man, and he'll hurt you. He's not trying to, but he'll hurt you, and it won't bother him if he does. Well, then there's something about so, him that he must be a little bit slippery because in the series against Malkin and Crosby, he acquitted himself quite nicely. He did, and that's and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing him as a player. Yeah. I think he's a good player. I just think at 18 he wasn't nearly ready. And, and at 19, his confidence got crushed and because he's not nearly ready. So, so my point is, look at Nick Suzuki. You know, Montreal got him from Vegas. Three years in the Ontario League, over 100 points every year, right? So when he hit a flat spot, he knows that he's done it before. He's got, he's got a foundation to fall back on. How can he doesn't have that yet? Now, hopefully this playoff series will help put down a foundation for him. But I'm telling you guys... I, I remember Sam Gagne playing as an 18-year-old in Edmonton, and Sam was a big scorer in junior in London. He played in the line with, um, with uh, Patrick Kane 
and uh, Kostitsyn. Oh, right. And, and they ripped it apart. I think he scored 140 goals through the three of them, right? He got to Edmonton. Right. He hadn't scored in two months. He didn't score for almost two months. He couldn't even look you in the eye. Yeah. Like, it, I, don't, I don't think people realize how difficult it is to make the NHL and then how much harder it is to stay there. It's the best league in the world. And, and unlike other leagues that call themselves world champions, players here come from all over the world. So, so to be honest with you, I, I, I stand by what I said on Mitch's show, and I, and I think actually that, that experience has proven me right, that the Montreal Canadiens would have been far better served if Kakanyemi was making his NHL debut next fall on the first year of his entry-level deal instead of the third, they'd be far better off. Right. And well, I mean, with um, his, the playoff experience that he's getting now, as you say, is going to be really valuable for him. And I think that also part of the rationale for them in the first year was they had Antti Niemi, they had Yoel Armia, they had, mm-hmm. um, I'm forgetting one, Lekonen. So yep. it's not the same issue that, um, who's the player in uh, on the Oilers that you're always talking yes, about? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so he's, a, he's a kid from the backwoods of Finland. Yeah, and you know the others had no, they had no Finnish speaking players to speak of, um, mm-hmm. and so he's on an island there. So it's the same thing as you know when you, you send Mark Andre Fleury to Pittsburgh as an eighteen year old. You know, I mean, Mario Lemieux speaks French, but he's got four kids, and you know he's doing everything else. So I mean, <laughs> you, you got to understand how difficult an adjustment this is. Imagine, okay, so imagine your son going to Finland to play as an eighteen year old. And not speaking the language, and no English mm. speakers on the team, and mm-hmm. trying to adjust a new country, new culture, new you know, like it. I I just think that look, am I overly cautious about it? Yeah, but the reason I am, the reason I am is, I have literally seen dozens and dozens of players have their development severely hampered or ruined by playing too soon. And when you talk right. to them later, they'll tell you they wish you know you make the NHL, it's your dream. You're not going to say no. But in retrospect, they wish they hadn't gone so soon because it's hard. Like, I'm telling you, there's 28-year-olds that are stars in the NHL that wonder every day if they're good enough. Yeah. Imagine being, imagine being 18. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so I think I, they did a full character. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, you go, Gord. No, I was just going to say, I you think know? that they did a, a deep dive on the character check, too, on this player. They spent time with his family. You know, I think yeah. they sort of we've always kind of big been big fans of his maturity level and his poise and all of that stuff. So like when he was any comparison to Alex Galchenyuk is incorrect. You know, like this was, this was a really, um, they really took their time figuring out like how many spots did he jump in the draft, you know, in the projected draft um, selection. So I think that, I mean, hindsight and everything and um i always appreciated your point of view of him in the first season but we were just like but he's so good like <laughs> and he right but, i mean but he, but he scored 11 goals right didn't score a goal on the road you know like even he's playing right. well in his face he's playing he's playing well in his playoff series he's getting destroyed in the faceoff series yeah yeah and that was right. evident so, especially because a domi took over in the third period it looked like mm-hmm. yeah so he's he, now, now that's not a criticism understand me that's kids if yeah. you look at the top face-off guys in the league every year, they're they're 28, 30 years old almost exclusively. So let me ask you guys, let me ask you guys a question. Okay. If you could go back in time, 
would you have put Puffy Yemi as an 18-year-old or had him play in the American League or back in Finland? If you could do it over again. Oh, God. Well. <laughs> you ladies first. <laughs> I would, Finland's off the table immediately. Why? Because um, mm. Asad was so bad. And he, well, who, I feel who's like. So, who's so bad? What, what's so bad? Asad. His yeah, team in Pori. Yeah. You move him. You move. He, yeah. he goes. He goes to. He goes to a different team. That's that's a, that's a Dundee. He goes to IFK. He goes to a different franchise. That, no, that's no. What ha, what you do is you you engineer a trade. So so put Finland back on the table. So let me, I'll ask you again. <laughs> in retrospect, <laughs> in retrospect, would it have been better for talking to him either play in Finland or in the Americas? I um okay. Let me step in. I will say that <laughs> if 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 I had you know all the powers to be right. I would have put him in Laval with Bouchard because that guy seems to be a bit of a miracle worker when it comes to getting uh, people out of slumps and also just working with kids in general. You know, he came up from okay. the Quebec Major Junior League. And anytime uh, players get sent, they come back really well. Victor Mate is an example. And, well, Kotkaniemi, too, is a bit of an well, example. But you know what? You know what? Mete played too soon. Victor yes. Mete played too soon. Victor Mete was a 16 goal scorer. In, in, the, in the Ontario League, as a defense, he was an offensive defenseman. I think I don't think he scored in like his first 120 games in Montreal. Like, yes. The, the thing is, <laughs> so 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 I'm going to ask you guys today, with all due respect, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys again if you can go back in time. Because the funny thing is, I'm just going to ask you. I want to I want to I want a 10 second answer from each of you. Oh. In okay. retrospect. Would it have been better if Kofi Niemi had not played in the NHL with 18 year Ladies first. <laughs> I still oh, say God, he, goes, he, goes, <laughs> he goes to Laval because okay. it's, so more, it's is, better experience. Yeah. So, so the answer is yes, it would have been better if he didn't play in the NHL. Yeah? Yes. Sure, yes. That was that was best, yeah. <laughs> okay, Veronica? <laughs> well, if I... Well... Fine, the AHL then. But the problem with the AHL okay, too okay, is that okay. they're so dirty. <laughs> That's ten um, seconds. All right, Veronica's done. <laughs> okay. Okay, so so just, just to be clear, Beth and Veronica grudgingly <laughs> admit that it would have been better if he hadn't played an eighteen-year-old. Dave, <laughs> you have ten seconds. Gord, you bring up some fascinating points. <laughs> I still question, say Dave. the AHL. I think Thank that would have been better. So basically. After this 20 minute conversation, what we really is that what I said to Mitch Melnick that fall was right. All right. So, saying? next next is week, that, we're going to have to get that, Mitch on. Yeah. Is, is that worth saying? Now, do you want it's to visit, worth the, Zuban, saying. Do you want to visit the Weber for Suban Trace? Is that the one yes. I really got in trouble with? <laughs> but you, were, that, you nailed it. We agreed with you wholeheartedly. Yes. We've that, dedicated that a lot of podcast time to you, Gord. I, I got nice to know. Um, because because you you three seem hard to pin down on questions sometimes. Um, We're but, a Weber um, appreciation podcast. Right. So so I think you know I think when you sit back and you evaluate what management does, you have to understand the immense pressure they're under. Right. So first of all, in the Kakinyemi case, look, the team wasn't playing great. There wasn't a lot of you know, the results hadn't been great. There wasn't a lot of young players coming. So the temptation for every team, this happens with every team. The shiny new toy arrives and you say, oh, this guy can do it for us. Now, he's just had a training camp. He's brand new. The problem is you don't think about what February and March might look like. 
right? When he gets worn down, when you hit the wall, all that. So that's one thing that happens. The second thing that happens, when you make a trade, you don't make a trade by yourself. It's not the GM sits alone in a room and says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Ultimately, he's responsible for making the trade, but there's a room full of people that have input. You know, amateur scouts, pro scouts, you know, analytics people, the whole bit. Mm-hmm. So when Mark Bergman made that trade, the most interesting part of it was, and I like P.K. Subban, don't get me wrong, a woman's a person, I think he's a good player. But let's be honest, today, does anyone think that if you picked nope. up the phone and said, I'll trade you Shea Weber for P.K. Subban, that anyone would do that? No. Nope. Nope. No, 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 no. Right. I'll never right. forget so, oh, hearing you oh, with Melnick that day. Oh, and you know, it's funny because... <laughs> Uh-oh. Because Mitch, Mitch, now my, my Twitter mentions are closed, right? So I don't see what yeah. people say back. But Mitch, Mitch said, our Twitter's blowing up and they want you off the air and they're going to boycott your sponsor. And I said, well, God. fair enough. I mean, you know, whatever. Like, I, you're asking me to come and say, no, no, I got no problem with it. You know, just so you know, it's blowing up. Now, the same thing happened in Toronto when the Maple Leafs signed John Tavares. Now, my timing could have been better, but I was on the radio that day and I said, I think this is a mistake. Mm, yes, I remember. They, I missed that one. Right. Yeah. So, so now, now Christmas Day is probably not the day to say how do we pay for that present, but <laughs> you know, it, it's what I felt. Now it causes people to get upset because you know, like you guys are Montreal fans, so you know you 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 come from that lens. I try to look at things objectively. Um, and so. Objectively, I thought it was a good deal for Montreal because Shea Weber is a really good player, and maybe his analytics aren't as good, weren't as good as PK Subban at the time. But there's one analytic you can't mention, you can't measure, mm-hmm. and that's the poop your pants analytic. Yeah. yeah, that's the poop your pants number. And and when a guy gets the puck in front of people, and I saw it tonight, who was yes. from the Flyers that came in one on one with Weber and just took a soft shot from the boards instead of trying to drive on, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Can now, I thought you were going to say character, but yeah, no, it makes sense too. <laughs> well, no, 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 but there, there, is the, there is the, you know, there is the crap your drawers dynamic that, that goes to yes, Shea Weber because he will hurt you. And, and so it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic for management because, first of all, the GM gets credit, gets credit for draft picks. Well, he actually doesn't make them. Mm-hmm. He's not out watching those players. He's probably seen them three or four times, but it's the scouts that watch it. So the scouts meet, the chief scout decides who is going, you know, who they're going to pick. And for the most part, now once in a while, a GM will override a scout. That's a that that has historically been a bad move, you know. And I, so th- there's that. And then on trades, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. And I just think it's so easy to sit back and say and get emotional and say, well, you know, I feel like you know. I love this player, uh, you know, and it was, it was really emotional in Montreal. There was a, there was a real emotional attachment to PK Subban, which is great. But at the end of the day, Shane Weber is a really, really good player. And I told the story, I mentioned show the other day about the bags. You've heard the story about the, about the equipment bags. Have you heard about yes. that? Yes. Yeah. But you please. Yeah. So for those who don't know, um, when, when Weber arrived in Montreal, the problem in Montreal is when they practice in the morning, play at the Bell Center or play on the road, their gear always has to be moved because uh, if it's after a game at home, it's got to go back to Broussard. If it's in the morning at Broussard, it's got to go to the game rink. So the guys pack up their gear, and then equipment guys were picking up the bags and loading them on a cart outside. And 
and Weber carried his own bag out, and someone said, well, you know, they do that for you. No, they don't. I can do that. Mm-hmm. And he started doing it, and another guy started doing it. Now, it's not a big deal, but when the, when the equipment guys get back to Brassard at 1 o'clock in the morning instead of 1.30, that's a big deal for them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're going to be back there at, at 8 a.m. or 7.30. So, you well, know, I, the- there, there's that intangible to Weber that goes with it. P.K. Subban is a good guy. You know, I, I think it's unfairly maligned. The fact is he was a titch overrated at times. And, you know, and, and I remember saying one time on Mitch's show that he, he wasn't one of the top 20 defensemen in the NHL, not one of the top 15 defensemen in the NHL. And... He wasn't <laughs> that year. He wasn't that year. No. And now? Oof. Well, you know, injuries. Um, his skating was always a bit marginal. The reason PK went in the third round was people were worried about his skating. Right. So, yeah. so the two things with PK you worry about, a little better skating, and, and number two is decision-making. He's a gambler, uh, and so sometimes that gambling gets him in trouble. Now, if you're prepared to live with that, there's nothing wrong with that. But you have to be prepared to live with that. And the reason he didn't make Olympic teams, you know, right away, mm-hmm. and, and World Cup teams, was that in a single elimination tournament, that one mistake can knock you out. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was so, it was, it was hell gourd after that trade because all of the analytics guys came out to already declare the trade like the worst in history before he'd even set foot on the ice as a, as a half, right. you know? So it's been, it's well, been really rough. Well, there's, there's, there is a thing, you know, and I, I'm not against analytics, but I do think one of the problems with it is, is the people that are devotees of analytics want them to succeed so badly that they commit the cardinal sin. They bend the data to fit their argument. Instead of, so, so they want the data to lead them, instead of letting the data lead them to a conclusion, they want to bend it so it, so it fits their conclusion. And that, that becomes the problem. So, um, you know, people that are analytics devotees love Subban and, and wanted that trade to look bad so badly that it clouded the judgment. And, and so now, you know, I think if you went back, I mean, I, I wouldn't know how to do it, but if you went back and read some of the tweets from analytics people that oh, happened yeah. around the Subban Weber trade, they would look oh, back yeah. at those almost, almost, you know what would happen if you had them on your show, you know what would happen? What? They would hum, We'd... they would hum and haw almost as much as you three did <laughs> yeah. when I asked you about Kajanemi. <laughs> Yeah, I actually reached out to a couple of those this weekend, you know, yeah. looking back at, yeah, looking at their tweets from June 29th of 2016 and, you know, the way that they were trashing the trade. And I said, and how do you feel now? And so, so now what they're criticizing did is the, really? the length of the, yes, I did yesterday. Okay. Um, what, are they criticizing? Now, what are they criticizing? The length of the contract. Because that's all they can criticize now. Right, because PK what, Subban what is doing cooking two, commercials. Subban's got two more, two more years, two more years at nine million, right? Mm-hmm. That's yes, yeah, I believe that's it. And right. our so, uh, so, yeah, you know, I mean, so look, Montreal's out of the woods in terms of you know being a competitive team. They got mm-hmm. a long way to go, but but there are some there are some pieces in place, and I I firmly believe this. And I and I was talking to Mark Bergevin here at the hotel the other night, and I said to him, <gasps> we were talking about Weber, and I said, I really think that at the end of their careers, Nick Suzuki, Esprit Kakanyemi, and other Montreal young players, someone will say, who had an impact on you? Who made a difference? They'll all oh. talk about Shea Weber. Oh, 
They will well, all talk about people. Yeah. Like, like the culture, the culture that he's putting in place there. And I'll, and I'll tell you another quick story. Like Ray Ferraro's son, Landon, uh, was yeah. drafted by Detroit. And went to training camp with the Red Wings. He was sitting next to Pavel Datsuk in the, oh. in the dressing room. So mm-hmm. at that time, you did, you, you, uh, you worked out, you practiced, then you scrimmaged. Okay. So after the scrimmage, Landon's exhausted. And he's taken off his gear and he's going to go to the shower. And Pavel Datsuk is putting out the hurdles in the, in the weight room to, to do some exercises. And Pavel said to him, are you coming? <laughs> so so that, that's, right, that's Iserman to Lidstrom to Zetterberg to Datsuk down to the next generation. Now, the Red Wings are really having a tough time right now, but they hope that that culture that Dylan Larkin and, and Anthony Mantha learned from those guys will carry through for them, right? And that's, that's what Montreal wants. Montreal wants that culture that Weber and others are putting in place. I think Kerry Price is a big part of that too. They want that culture to outlive those players once their careers are over. And, and I think that's a really important element of it. And so, you know, I do think Mark Bergeron has done some good things in Montreal. I do. I think that, so do we. Know, so yes. Deneau was a great trade. Deneau yes. was a great trade. Yes. Teacher is a great Teacher is a great trade. Sherrod's a good signing. Weber's a good trade. You know, like those are those are good pieces. Now, there's been some hiccups along the way, but show me a general manager that doesn't have hiccups. So, yeah. But they, yeah, but they sure. got a, but they got a ways to go. They they have a ways to go. Well, not and so. Um, yep. Sorry, Dave. Uh, well, I was going to say uh, not to uh, go too far into um, acquisitions and whatnot. Uh, do you have uh, any thoughts uh, with? Uh, we were talking about Kot Kandiemi. What do you think about Alexander Romanov uh, joining the team for practices? I think it's great. Um, I'm going to put the I'm going to put the brakes on Romanov, okay, <laughs> for next year, and I'm going to ask you to be patient, right? Because you're asking a 20 year old defenseman who's never played in North America to adjust to this game, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you talked, Veronica, you talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. No Russian speakers. Yes. Well, Kovalchuk's coming back, right? Uh, <laughs> we'll just bring should, him back. <laughs> His but, series is almost um, over. <laughs> but right, but you, you, I don't think. Well, then put him in a suit because I don't think you want him playing anymore. <laughs> but but the point is, just temper your expectations, okay? He he has not. He was not a frontline player in the KHL. Right? He, he, was, he was like fourth or fifth on his own team in minutes played in the KHL. So, so just all I'm saying is don't expect him to walk in and dominate. If he does, great. But don't put that on him. Yeah, and Gord... Are you, detecting, it, are you detecting a theme? Are you detecting a theme here? Yes. But so we are like the most patient podcast on record, I think. Uh, so, yeah. Well, <laughs> two-thirds sure, of Sure, Veronica, are. go ahead. Yeah. Um, and so with, with Romanov, um, all I want, all I want is for him to develop. And I do, I trust, I trust management. Like I'm a big, uh, Mark Bergevin supporter and have never wavered. And that has to do partly with, um, Pierre Gauthier. I didn't, I never believed in that guy from day one. I believed in Mark Bergevin and there was an interesting, um, when he was sort of auditioning for the job of D of GM, um, on TSN 690, they had Rick Dudley on 
who I, I'd never mm-hmm. heard of the guy, but they were asking him about Mark Burstyn because heard of Rick nobody, Beckett? me personally, no. I believe for like fan. 15 years. Well, I'm but, but he played too for, young he played to for Buffalo. That. They played Montreal. Okay. Um. Anyway, what he said. I found that out later when he came over to the Habs and I bothered to open a book. But um, okay. so okay. what he was saying, because nobody in Montreal, everybody's like, Mark Bergevin, who? And, um, and I'm, I had never heard of Mark Bergevin before either, okay, before you asked. But he was a player, Veronica. What he, yes, that's okay, true. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, what he said about Mark Bergevin that day, I've never forgotten. And he was asked about his scouting capabilities. And Rick Dudley said that he was in the top 1%. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I think he learned, he learned from a good organization. And, yep. But you got to remember that the GM is not solely responsible for how a team does. So he gets too much yes. credit and too much blame. Yes. Now, he's responsible for the people he hires. And if a team has repeated systemic failures, that's on him. That's on yeah. him. Because he hired those people and he's got to be responsible for that. But in terms of decision-making, that's a group decision. Those, those are group decisions. Now, ultimately, he makes a decision on trades, and he's more responsible for that than he is for draft picks. But, but I would say that, you know, there are – I mean, Suzuki's a great young player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kakanyemi is showing some signs of becoming what they hoped he'd be. Um, you know, Romanov is going to be a good piece for that. Um, you know, they probably need to find a goaltender who can play 30 games and, and, and give them 30 good games a year. Yes. Agreed. So, we really so, need a backup so, goalie. But, but that said, we, we do. Yeah, we oh, do. I, oh, we, we, as, as we. a collective. Oh, <laughs> we. Okay. You're one of us we're, now, Gordon. Because, we're one of those podcasts. <laughs> Because, because they're here in the hotel, and I've not seen you. Uh, <laughs> they, they are here in the hotel, and if you were one of them, wouldn't you be here? <laughs> the thing about this podcast yeah. is that we're, we're just fans. Okay. I get right? So I have to go, but I want to ask you a question. Yes. Can I just ask you one Thanks, more question Gordon. before I go? For sure. If you go back, if you go back two years to September... I'm going first. I'm going to say <laughs> definitively AHL. So no, there said it. Boom. I said it. And I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and pout about it. I also say definitively AHL, not the NHL. Fine. <laughs> Is that it, Veronica? Yeah. <laughs> that was like taking my daughter to the dentist. <laughs> Thanks, Gord. That was awesome. Thank you, Gord. <laughs> that was so great. Thanks, Gord. Thank you so Don't much. Don't drink any Dr. Pepper. Thank you. Oh, jeez. Yes, and thank you. Did he just take himself off? Oh, no, he's here. Bye, Gord. Thank you and goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Take care, guys. Bye. Wow. I didn't, I didn't wasn't expect letting you get, to get away with anything. I didn't expect to get schooled on Cook and the Emmy <laughs> draft year. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Gord. Well, Gord, he has he has been on that for two years now. God, and I'm glad that he it, wasn't soft on us. No. Damn it, Gord. I wouldn't have wanted him to be soft on us. No, he's great. He's great. It was so exciting. 
just gonna send him a case of Dr. Pepper now. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, we're not in the bubble gourd? Okay, well, here we go. Here we go. Here's a case from the happy hour. Thanks, pal. You, you probably can't even get any because there's no cans. I found a case of Dr. Pepper today, actually. Oh, a case. Will it get there before? I bought two of them. Oh, now, wow. Um, so One for you and one for Gordon. <laughs> Well, what did he say? He felt like a ton of bricks or something? He'd eaten a bowling ball. A he felt like he swallowed a bowling, a bowling ball. ball. Okay, yeah, for, not for everyone listening sober, um, <laughs> who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, a few years ago, what it was during um, the second longest overtime game, I think, that he's called. Um, they He was, I forget what arena they were in, but they... It went to four overtimes, I believe, and the arena they were in didn't have any running water, and they'd run out of um, bottled water, and so he drank four cans of Dr. Pepper, which he'd never had before. I think this was like a lightning game that he was calling, and um, he doesn't drink soda. So, like, the rest of the, like, after that night, like, he went back to his hotel room. He couldn't (laughs) sleep. He felt horrible because he doesn't drink soda. So, um that's where the Dr. Pepper reference comes oh, from. Oh, and Dr. Pepper tastes like medicine. <laughs> I would never have that problem. Awful. Nope. That's what Dr. Dave... Pepper is good. Root beer is horrible. As I polish off Ugh. my Mountain Dew that I've been forced my, forcing myself Mountain Dew! Ew! Do the Dew, baby! It's so no. much sugar. David Oh, Marie yeah, I feel it all Joseph. day. <laughs> he's, got, he's got it just, like, just sugar and, like, candy in your veins that's Dude, it you're so you're so slim yeah i, I know my just... anger <laughs> <laughs> you're so slim like if you never see dave is not like he's an athletic man but all he yeah. does is he just eats he just like puts bags garbage of sugar with a into spoon. his system yeah. yeah and sometimes a burger I am well into my 30s, and this has not slowed down. And I don't even smoke. (laughs) If you're only, what, you're 30s? Don't smoke. Yeah, that's my 30s. That's not well into your 30s. It's well past metabolism age. (laughs) So, anyway. Anyway, the Habs lost today. (laughs) One nothing against the Flyers. Um, They're in it. Just uh, oh, they yeah. gotta find a way to counter this um, this defense that the Flyers are able to put up. Um, getting some help in the faceoffs will probably help a lot, which we mm-hmm. saw Kirk um, actually uh, switch over Domi and Kotkaniemi because, as Gord said, Kotkaniemi was getting killed on yeah. the faceoff dot. Um, but overall, f- four or five posts, all sorts of stuff like that um, by the Habs, uh, by Suzuki, by Kotkaniemi, and Kotkaniemi looks great even though he should have oh. started in the AHL at 18. Um, Fine! Now that, now that this has been established... <laughs> Damn it! Gord! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I mean, he, he was, he yeah, up, he's like, he brings he's up like a reporter. Yeah, <laughs> Answer the question. He's tough. Yeah. Got five seconds, it's like, got it's ten like seconds. we're in a debate. <laughs> like, I'm like, that, Veronica's not going to do that. <laughs> So another big thing, 24 block shots to the Habs, 10. That's a big difference there. The Flyers were playing out of their minds to keep pucks away from uh, Corey Hart. Carter. Um, Carter, whatever. Oh, yeah, Corey Hart's um, 
Well, we could have used friggin' Nate Thompson. Jesus. Could have used no. Yeah. I, I liked his quote during intermission, where um, yes. he was asked, "How how do you defeat Carrie Price?" And <laughs> he was just like, "Well, you gotta gotta make sure he doesn't see the puck, because if he sees the puck, it's not going in the net." <laughs> and even then, I've never has- seen anybody make such a big deal over a popped pimple. What? His little, what? his little, his little um, speck of blood there on his nose. They kept oh. on going back to show it. Oh, I yeah, never, he, I uh, never, I didn't realize that was a thing. Is that all it takes to get on Sportsnet? Because I mean, they should see me one week out of the month. That oh, was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> this is when we laugh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you can you can cut that if you like. No. It. So uh, the Habs go 0-3 on the power play. Power play woes considerably continue, even though we thought we fixed it last game and the game before, I believe. I don't remember. And anyway. the PK? Uh, penalty kill is perfect. Yep. That's nice. Was and they great. killed a four-minute penalty. Yep, killed a four-minute penalty. Thanks, Nate Thompson. <laughs> Stupid yeah. penalties in the third period. We gotta mm. need to not do that. And my God, figure out a way to play six versus five. If I see the team dumping the puck along the boards with 15 seconds left, what are you doing? I don't drive understand. in, take a shot, take a fucking shot on net to stop playing, get a face yeah. off again. Which you know. And this has been an difficult. issue for a long time. Forever. I don't know. Yeah, understand. even during Terry and Sears. Yep. For ever. <sighs> anyway. Sweep on next. Uh, the next game I think is on. You said Tuesday? Wednesday. 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 Tuesday. Tuesday is the next game, but there is going to be a Wednesday game. Yes, they just haven't announced the time yet. Yeah, and that's uh, my. Uh, bugaboo there because we might have a later game later podcast out wednesday um tomorrow nah i don't think we need to do a podcast no no tuesday and wednesday yes and the tuesday game again uh is at noon vancouver time yep three o'clock america time brother new york time new york eastern standard both of these games yeah ridiculous yeah so, so yeah. uh, 2-1 series for the Flyers, it's still anyone's series. This is a rare case where the team that is losing the series actually has a higher goal differential at the moment. Uh, yeah, and also there, I was listening to the intermission show with Mitch and Sean, um, first intermission, and they were talking about how the chances were all better for the Habs. Oh, yeah. No, they definitely were. <laughs> I'd like the posts. That's all it was. Oh! Yeah. A lot of posts. Some of those posts go in, and it's another blowout. Yeah. 
Yep. But exactly. As yep, Gord, yep. But as Gord said, KK to the AHL. Yep. KK to the AHL. Yep. That's um. Man, he was really on. Uh, so we're out of time. Oh, I know. Yes. <laughs> well over time. But 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 really fast. Um, in response to Grady's video the other day, where he used pancake syrup, not maple syrup, to desecrate a beach towel, Tricolor <laughs> Sports has released a new T-shirt. It's oh, blue. No. A glorious blue with a picture of Yuppie on it, and it says the original orange mascot. So oh. if you would like one of those, and he's looking out over, I believe, Toronto, but it might be Montreal. I don't know for sure. But if those, they're on Tricolor Sports, you want to check those out. They Is look really cool. they're a building that looks like a Lego brick? I am not looking at it at the moment. Okay. I don't and think Grady's in Toronto. Remember. I'm sorry. Gritty's just in a parking lot in Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't know. Just, just I mean, pouring pouring syrup yuppie, on a towel. Who knows? Yuppie, yuppie, yeah. So I'm guessing okay, it must okay. be a picture, a picture of when of him in Montreal somewhere. But um, but yeah, I don't remember how much they are, but they look pretty neat. So if you need another Habs, another fun Habs T-shirt for your collection that's a little bit different, go check that out. Um, oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. yeah, it does sound fun. Oh wow. But yeah. Yeah, but we're over time. Uh, on to the next Tuesday. On after- to the next. See That's you it. on Tuesday. See That's you next Tuesday. Right. <laughs> and we will know. We will know this week whether or not the Habs can make it into the second round, which is something that Toronto has not done in a very. No, nope. uh, now I need to go take more anxiety medicine. Oh. Because I didn't even think about that. That is, <clears throat> this week decides everything. We'll be fine. Yeah. You heard it here. You heard it here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks right. for uh, listening, bye. everybody. Yeah, good oh, job, yeah, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. We yeah, had Gordon Miller job. on. He was, he was Gordon fun. Gordon Miller. Yeah. KK, should have been in the NHL at 18. How about that? Gordon Miller. <laughs> Never heard that before. <laughs> I was just being polite. I would, oh, oh. Don't tell him that. <laughs> I'm telling you, we should, send him a, we should send him a case of Dr. Pepper into the bubble. Man, yeah. I got I to find deliveries <laughs> there. See if we can do that. Is he it's so nice of him to stay up late? In the yeah, hotel he's calling because. Yep, because we is. can send it to him at the hotel. Care of. To. <laughs> I think even the referees are staying at the hotel. That makes sense. Means we will always get Lee, somehow, some way in the Eastern Conference. Oh, God damn it! Why wouldn't he call any of the embellishments tonight? All right, we gotta go. Doesn't like us. Okay, we gotta go. Yeah.